Sunday. Uh, so 50, 50 days after Passover, 50 days after uh, the resurrection of Jesus, we celebrate Pentecost and Acts. We, we're most familiar with it in Acts where it talks about on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were in one place and one accord. And there's so much in that that uh, just really stirs me. But as I was looking at this, you know, you've, um, when they came out, when the children of Israel came out of uh, Egypt, it was at Pente- Pentecost, it was 50 days after they came out of Egypt, after they had uh, celebrated Passover or commemorate the first Passover when he said, kill the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost and be ready to go. They, they came out, and it was 50 days they came to the, to the foot of Mount Sinai. And this past week, I've, took, I've taken time to read through Exodus 18 and 19, all the way, really all the way through up to 34 and 35, just as we know in 20, Exodus 20 is when the Ten Commandments are given, and in, in, uh, 18 and 19 is the Lord calling Moses up on the mountain, and he's telling him, I want you to come up, and it talks about how the cloud covered the mountain. There was a great cloud that covered the mountain, and there was thunderings and lightnings, and all these things were taking place uh, on top of the mountain, and Moses was going up in the mountain, and the Lord began to talk to him about how he wanted to call the people and talk to the people. God's heart, when he came, he brought him out. His heart was to communicate with the people, but as the Lord was talking, all they could see was the thunderings, the lightnings, and the and, the, uh, and everything, the, the outward manifestation, and they couldn't hear the heart of God. And he was saying, I want to talk to them. Bring them here. Don't let them come too high, but bring them here. I want to talk to them. And they ultimately said, as you know, just a little history, they said, Moses, he scares us. God scares us. You talk to God, and we'll talk to you. And everything God tells us to do, we'll do. And what's amazing to me is the pride that swelled up on the inside of them. Is that you just go do, you go do God, and we'll do us, and then whatever you tell us to do, we'll do it. And, and I look at that in today's society, and many times it's the same way. We, we shun away from intimate relationship with him, and we just want to know how we're supposed to act. We just want to know what we're supposed to do to look like good Christian people instead of walking in intimate relationship with him. That's why in John 14, Jesus said, it's expe- John 16, he said, it's expedient that I go away. Because when I go away, I'll send the Holy Spirit. He'll come, he'll come upon you. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. And, and just a moment. Because Jesus said, just as I was, the Holy Spirit came upon me, and we see that in Mark, we see that in Matthew when Jesus was baptized. It says when he was baptized, the heavens were rent. So we don't have to pray anymore, God, rend the heavens and come down. That's an old covenant prayer. We don't have to pray, rend the heavens and come down. The heavens have been rent, and he came down. He came down in the person of Holy Spirit. The heavens were open. Jesus was there, and it says they saw the heavens open and the, and the Spirit of God descending as a dove, and it came upon Jesus. And that word upon there, it literally means to superimpose himself over on him. So the Spirit of God superimposed himself on the Son of God, and Jesus came out. The Father declared as he came out of the water, this is my, my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. To me, that's beautiful. That's beautiful because it was before Jesus performed one miracle, before he did anything. 
As soon as he came out of the water, the father acknowledged who his identity was. This is my son. This isn't my worker. This is my son. Now, we have Jesus portrayed in the different gospels in different ways. And in Mark, we see him as a servant. He, he starts right out in chapter 1 of Mark performing miracles. <clears throat> I think it's kind of, I don't want to say funny. That's not the right word. I think there's a point being made in the first place that Jesus performs, casts out a devil. The first miracle is the water and the wine, I know. But the first place he casts out a devil is in the church. He goes to the synagogue, their, their gathering place, and a demon manifests itself. And uh, Jesus deals with that. But in Mark's gospel, right out of the bat, right after the baptism, we see Jesus uh, operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what he told them. He said, go wait in Jerusalem in Acts 1. He said, go wait in Jerusalem till you'll be endued with power. It wasn't when they received the Holy Spirit. It wasn't when their spirit was made new. Uh, I'm just going to give a little bit because I don't want us to just brush over this. This is Pentecost Sunday. Some churches will celebrate it with their program saying Pentecost Sunday. Others, Charismatics. We get all, the Lord spoke this in my heart this week, and this is why I'm so passionate about this. He said, we've made Pentecost an event, and it's not. It's a person. Pentecost is not an event that happened 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. Pentecost was a feast that they celebrated, but the, what we celebrate in the giving of the Holy Spirit is the giving of a person. Throughout John 14 and 16, Jesus himself refers to him as he, not it, as he, the third person of the Trinity who's very God and who lives in us. And he said, Jesus said in John 14, it's important I mean, he said, when he comes, he will come upon you. As I said in John 16, verse 7, he said, it's expedient that I leave so that he can come. And when he comes, he will come upon you. It's the exact same word that's used in Mark chapter 1 when it says, when Jesus came out of the water from baptism, the Spirit of God came upon him. It's the same word when it talks about the Holy Spirit will come upon us. I think that's why throughout scriptures we see that we're in him, he's in us. That the Father, he prayed in John 17, Father, I pray that they would be one as we're one. He, they would realize that they walk in oneness just like we do. And so my mind goes to this. He said, by this will all men know my disciples if you have love one for another. And in, in Acts chapter uh, 2, they, we see that they were in one accord. And when they were in one accord, that unity there, the presence of the Lord came. The building was shaken there was tongues of fire, there was uh, 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 set on their head, and they all spoke with a new tongue. We see all this taking place. And the, per the, the thread between all this is the unity that took place. There's power in that unity. And my mind starts thinking when we can begin to understand that we're one in him, start living from being one in him, the unity that we have in him will affect the way we live this way. When I understand my relationship with him this way, it affects the way I live this way. It affects how I deal with people. We'll be able to deal with people more the way Jesus dealt with people. When he could say, Father, forgive them, they don't understand what they're doing. Yeah. Yesterday I had a moment. Forgive me. But I had a moment. And I was just allowing a, a, a lot of emotions just hit me all at once. And I was just, 
I wasn't depressed or oppressed or anything like that. I was just overwhelmed in the moment because what I was looking at, what I was thinking, it was hurts and, and things and just going, God, why this and why that? And, and then from hurt, anger rose up. Y'all know anything about that. I know. So pray for me. Uh, anger rose up, and, and I was just like, man, I just want to say this because this will make me feel better. And in all of that, what I realized is all my attention was on me on how I had been treated or what had happened or what wasn't done right or what I felt this or what I felt that. And all of my attention was on me. It wasn't on him, his faithfulness, what he went through for me. It was all me, 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 me. And when your focus is on you, you make a small package. And everything was focused on me. And, and I know that it was partly spiritual. It was the enemy trying to get me distracted. But part of it was just me forgetting who I was and the intimacy that I have with him. Because if I understand what he said here, when Jesus was baptized, he came out of the water. The father said, this is my beloved son, and him I'm well pleased. If I understand that I'm pleased with God, the creator, I just read it from Psalms earlier, Psalms 33. He's the one who breathed everything we have into existence. And he loves me. We just sang about that, right? It's not that warm in here. I'm standing up. Everybody looks sleepy. I'll make you stand up too. That's just who I am. He desires intimate relationship with us. We've reduced it to do's and don'ts, just like they did. They said, Moses, you just tell us what to do, and we'll do it. So as I was meditating upon this, two or three days ago, the Lord gave me this. And yesterday when I had my moment, the Lord reminded me this. He, he spoke to my heart, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5, let your conduct be without covetous. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Anybody ever read that? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. He says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Don't look at what somebody else has and say, man, I wish I had that. Be content with such things as you have. In my moment, I wasn't content with what I had. Are you with me? In my moment, I wasn't content with what I had. I was looking at what about, what if, why should, why did. All of those things, I wasn't content. And he said this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Is that enough? I'm going to ask you a question. Is that enough? No matter what's going on in your life right now, is it enough to know that he's promised he'll never leave you or forsake you? My situation hasn't changed. I've fasted. I've prayed. I'm believing God, and it hasn't changed. Is it enough to know that he said, even in you're in that, it may not be his will, but even though you're in it, he's promised, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Is that enough? Because we can become so Christianized in believing, and I am, help me, Jesus. I believe that he has called us to be blessed and to be prospered and to be the head and not the tail, above and ever beneath. <clears throat> John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. But what I'm saying is this. I'm not saying that's not true for us. What I am saying is this. In the moments when we feel like that's not where we are in life, is he still enough? Is he enough? Is it enough 
to know that he's promised, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And if this thing ends differently than what we thought it would end, if it ends in death, you know what? I'm with him and he's with me. I win. I win because I don't deal with air conditioning not working anymore. I don't deal with set up, tear down anymore. I don't deal with whatever anymore. I'm in the presence of the one who loved me so much that he gave his life for me. Saying that doesn't mean that we just resolve to waiting till one day when it all gets better. What that does for me is it gives me the promise that today he's desired that I would live like a son, an heir and join heir with him. And if it's not his will, then it's subject to change. Amen? So God wanted us to understand this day of Pentecost that we celebrate. He said, go wait till you and do, not with weirdness, but with power. And when the Holy Spirit came, there were things that did happen that was outside of their box. I've said before, 